Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. Lindsay, it's you! Yeah. Again, this week is me and we are going back to spooky stuff. If you can have Christmas in July, you can have Halloween in March. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell, they're practically six months apart. Um, so yeah, we are going to discuss a reboot to Martin Mystery. Martin Mystery. Uh, if you're familiar with Totally Spies, then presumably you're also familiar with Martin Mystery, because they were essentially sister shows. They aired at the same time from the same network. They had one, not same network, same production company. Yeah. They had a crossover with each other, and they're both based on comic books, but I think Totally Spies is French. Ah. Uh... I think so. I know that Martin Mystery was an Italian comic. Yes. So when you think about it, it should have been having a crossover with Witch. Well, I think Witch was owned by Disney and... Yeah. No, but it's it's because Witch was also Italian. Yeah. Yeah. When are the Witch characters going to show up in Kingdom Hearts? (laughs) I don't know. Sometime in the future. Kingdom Hearts 5, we've ran out of movies. <laughs> huh. Doesn't seem like Totally Spies was based off of anything. I thought, oh, hmm. Well, cause, oh, it's because the animation company was French. Yeah. So, Lindsay, you're going to tell us about an, an French anime that was dubbed into English based off an Italian comic book. Yes. <laughs> that was co-produced in Canada and aired on YTV. For three years. Nobody knows why it got cancelled. Anyway. Uh, Martin's c- c- cartoon. They ran out of money. Yeah. They, their tie-in game failed. Because <laughs> there was no dog hurdling competition. Oh god. Um, anyway. The plot of Martin Mystery. Is that. Uh, the TV show in particular. Is that you have Martin Mystery. His stepsister Diana. They're both 16. And they're attending Torrington Academy. In Sherbrooke, Quebec. <laughs> that is a deep pull from Canadian geography. Um, they work as, for a covert organization known as the Center, which uh, covertly protects uh, the people of Earth from supernatural threats. Their allies at the Center are Billy, who is a green-skinned small alien, um, who is one of Martin's best friends, and Java, a caveman from 200,000 years ago, who works as a as a janitor and cook at Torrington Academy. Uh, With a name like Java, you'd expect he'd be a barista. (laughs) Uh, Martin is totally into weird supernatural stuff and cryptids and all that. Um, And somehow, despite being a complete dumbass, too, he's one of the best agents at, uh, at the center. And Diana... Is uh, his foil, basically. It's, yeah, Diana is Scully, and Martin is Mulder. So basically, this is X-Files for teens, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if Buffy was a guy, and specifically a himbo. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty sure Martin Mystery turned me gay. (laughs) I mean, 
Yeah, I can see it. A lot of people were attracted to Martin. He's an idiot, but he's kind, and he's very good looking, and his hair is a foot tall and could poke your eye out. Yep. Anime. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, those are the character descriptions for the cartoon. Lindsay, did you take a gander at the characters from the original comic book? Yes, I did. It's, oh my godness. <laughs> it's very 70s. And completely different. Yeah. 70s Italian, which is a special flavor of 70s. <laughs> do you want to dig into those, or do you want me to relay those? You can do that. <laughs> okay, so what we just said in the cartoon, Martin is like a, a teenage nerd obsessed with like cryptids and whatnot, and Diana is the very smart stepsister, and Java's a caveman. Well, okay, Java's still a caveman. Java's yeah. pretty similar to his comic book version. In the comic books, Martin Mistere is an art historian, archaeologist, anthropologist, adventurer, writer, TV producer, and collector of unusual objects. So he's, he's a university professor. He's an academic. He's the most interesting man. <laughs> and Diana is his fiancée. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking. The Venn diagram of people who liked Martin Mystery and Life with Derek is pretty close to a circle, Cause you know they shipped those step-siblings together, and then here comes the comic book to say you're valid, which is the worst. Yes. Because aside from the names of the characters and the fact that they're supernatural investigators, there's very little in common between the two versions of Martin Mystery. Why everyone likes step-siblings getting together. It's not It's not clever. It's not fun. It just makes me feel icky. Yeah, it's... It's like, clearly, some people have never had siblings. Step or otherwise. Step or otherwise. No, I... It's forgivable if you were dating before you became step-siblings. Yeah. I think they covered that in 16. <laughs> Degrassi did that. Yeah. It just makes everything awkward. Um, oh, what was the name? Claire and Jake started dating, and then their parents started dating. So Claire and Jake hid their relationship. And then they just kind of were casual about it, and real careful. And then Jake was like, I don't think this can last past high school. And Claire was like, I want to consummate our her love for each other and get married. And Jake said, I am going to break up with you now. Please go back to your goth boyfriend and resolve your issues. <sighs> Scream, the Scream TV show also did that. Where the kids okay. started dating around the same time the parents started dating, but they rectified that by killing the guy's dad. Oh, okay. That's convenient. And and then also conveniently, in the second season, it turned out that the boyfriend was the killer. Huh. So just wipe that whole slate clean. It's great. The Scream yeah. TV show was great. <laughs> anyway, Martin and his mysteries. Yeah. So, um, please, shippers... Do not ship siblings and step siblings. That is gross. So gross. Um, so basically, my general plan is that there is potential plot stuff going on that I would like to make into an actual thing. So there are hints of arcs that you want to make into full arcs. Yes. Mostly concerning around the endings of season two and... No, the beginning of season two and its ending, and the ending of season three. So those things are the gatekeeper from the end of season two. Okay. So in the end of season two, Mom 
who is the head of the center. Mom stands for mystery organization manager. Very creative. She goes on a vacation to Tibet. And Billy calls in Martin, Diana, and Java to investigate because she kind of didn't come back. So they uncover what Mom was really up to, and she was on a secret mission to unlock the gateway to the underworld. As it turns out, Mom's been possessed by an evil um, spirit called the Gatekeeper, who is basically the guardian to the gates to the underworld. And they have to defeat him and all that. All right. So season two features Diana resigning from the center for not being given a good evaluation, joins a rival paranormal organization called uh, CIHL, which is presented to her as the Creative Institute for Higher Learning, but is actually a laboratory called the Creature Intelligence Hybrid Laboratory, and is run by Octavia Payne, who used to work for the center but got fired, um, well, she said that she Because was, her name was Octavia Payne. Yeah. It's like evil, evil, evil. Anyway, we know you're going to be a Bond villain. We're just accelerating your career path. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, she wants to get back at the center and is trying to create the ultimate monster by doing a whole uh, turning Diana. Well, one of the things she does is turn Diana into a half lizard, half girl hybrid. Yay. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. And attacks the center, they're defeated, and then we don't get any more seasons after that. The other <laughs> plot point that I would like to discover and kind of create as a thing um, is from the beginning of season two. The revelation that Billy used to be an intergalactic warlord. And supermodel. And supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, the latter part isn't a, the latter part is not a huge element of this, but... It's, it's something I found when I was uh, checking on stuff beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, basically, my whole idea was that we introduced CIHL a bit earlier. We could probably come up with a slightly different uh, name for the acronym to mean. And at first, it seems like Octavia Payne is... She's a rival to the center, but she's fairly benign. She's just another paranormal investigator. She just, for whatever reason, she didn't agree with what the center does. Maybe she doesn't like the whole, you know, possibly destroying the monsters. Maybe there's a whole rehabilitation thing that she could do. Or maybe it's just trying to be a bit more preventative of future monster problems. Right. The actual thing is that, yeah, she's um, she's a lot more it's ambitious a than that. Yeah. And then the whole gatekeeper stuff is more of the ultimate big bad destroyer of worlds sort of thing. Maybe it could be like, uh, oh, what was that one Green Lantern run? Was it Darkest Night or Blackest, Blackest Night? Blackest Night. Yeah, Blackest Night, where the whole thing was basically, you know how superheroes keep on coming back from the dead? Well, apparently in the DC Universe, for quite a while, death itself had been keeping the gates between our world and the world of the dead just open a little bit, just enough to create sleeper agents, <laughs> which was fucking brilliant. So simple, yet so perfect. And they almost win. Yeah, like his, his whole shtick was that he was pissed that all the superheroes kept on getting to come back from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, okay, you all get to come back from the dead. As a zombie! 
Yeah. So, like, I know that a lot of death gods get maligned and all that, but you could say that this guy is in charge of, like, the bad underworld. The Tartarus part? Yes. Here, here's the thing, is that Martin Mystery, for all the paranormal stuff, they never really attach themselves to any kind of explicit mythology, I don't think. Yeah. And they really like to mix and match stuff. Yeah. Like, you you can never... Uh, except for maybe a few specific stuff, you can never say, this is explicitly a Greek monster, this is explicitly a Native American monster, this is explicitly a Judeo-Christian monster. It's all just, nah, there's just a whole bunch of monsters and uh, freaky things out there, and they're gonna cause a ruckus. Yeah. And, like, a thought that just came to me right now is, like, what if the gatekeeper isn't so much gatekeeping the realm of the underworld, but maybe it's more Elrichian cosmic horror stuff. Ooh. It's just, like, a different dimension, but it's, like, eh, a little bit more cosmic. It's another dimension with voyeuristic intentions? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's a sort of, like, Cthulhu waits, uh, dead yet dreaming sort of stuff. So, the general structure I had planned is actually fairly simple. The first season... First off, okay, oh. so I do want to ask, so this is, is this still a cartoon or is this live action? This is still a cartoon. Okay. Because I think, I was trying to remember, I think when we did Totally Spy is we ended up settling on a comic book. Yes. I think this would probably work better as a TV show and a bit of an antidote to Supernatural. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we still keep it a cartoon. First thing is that the first season is going to be fairly episodic, but it is focused on world building. So, like, what does the center do? How does things work? What What's all the functions of the watch that our main characters have? I'm going to expand the watch ownership from just Martin to everybody on the team has a watch. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Did we talk even about the watch? Oh, no, we haven't talked about the watch. We're, we're, we're kind of rushing into the plot stuff. We yeah. forgot to establish, hey, hey, viewers, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the center has some pretty advanced technology, like straight up. I would almost say they got some interdimensional stuff. Yeah, they they can definitely transport matter from point A to point B. Yeah. They have a, have a watch. Okay, so Martin has a watch, and you, you click it, and it basically summons whatever gadget he needs for it. Like, I need a, a thermal glasses, or I need a ray gun, or I need the slime scanner. Time to analyze the slime, because they're always slime. Every episode, they're slime. Lots of slime. It wouldn't it's be a YTV time. show without slime. Eat your heart out, Nickelodeon. Uh, yeah, YTV, for our non-Canadian viewers, had a thing for slime back in the day. They had the full slime tour. Wait, didn't they have the slime tour? Yeah, I think they did. Oh, that was, uh-oh, that was specifically, uh-oh, yeah. they had the slime tour. Yeah. <laughs> and uh-oh was very slimy. Yes. And it was a fucking gimp. We know. I will never get over that. <laughs> There's an ep- an episode of the Martin Mystery Reboot where he ends up on uh-oh, but it's like, Hell, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he tries to unmask the Punisher, and it's just, like, tentacles underneath. Yeah, um, if you ever wa- wonder why Canadian millennials are so weird, we had a mixture of, like, uh-oh, Avana the Yukon, Martin Mystery, and... Oh, Mega Babies. Mega Babies. Mega Babies, scarred a generation. Yes. We will not be rebooting Mega Babies. No. <laughs> if anything, we'll do, we'll do a postmortem on on the sins that Mega Babies committed. <laughs> and also, there's probably many a uh, would be French student 
all across Canada who had to suffer through Telefrancais and the pineapple that would always start with Oh just please Oh fuck, I for it kept running through my goddamn head for days. See, I can't help you because I was never exposed to the Canadian pineapple. <laughs> you were lucky. Oh, hey, did you know that Hawaiian pizza was invented by a Canadian? I'm not surprised. So, anyway, the big thing is season one is mostly just world building. Establishing what the monsters are like, what the center does, um, establishing Octavia Payne in some capacity, and also sprinkling throughout the season hints of something a bit darker and deeper and that is the cult of the gatekeeper okay i'm just saying if if you don't want the arcs to kind of overpower season one you want season one to be more about establishing the world yeah you could do something more akin to what buffy did in their first season where the big bad was the master but he was just like this really old vampire so he was just a variation on the whole theme of the show and the, basically, the reason he was the big bad is that he was just responsible for sending a lot of monsters their way. Yeah. So what we could do is have the hints lead to whatever generic big bad. Yeah. Squid, Squids McGee. There's a lot of possible big bads just in season one that we could upgrade a bit. Yeah. Um. And But then, like, in season two, we could say that, oh, the big bad for season one was actually just, like, a member of the Cult of the Gatekeeper. And so then we can have the hints that led to, to point A also lead to the other guy. Yeah. At the end of season one, they face the first emperor, a Chinese sorcerer, animated dragons, lion statues, and terracotta soldiers. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, the first emperor of China was a genuinely bad bastard. Fucking asshole. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I'm the terrible levels of bad. So it's just, it's an animated reenactment of the third Mummy movie. Yeah, basically. And we could probably do better than the third Mummy movie. I don't know, I feel like the third Mummy movie is not very good in the context of the first two Mummy movies, but it works pretty well within the context of Martin Mystery. Yeah, yeah. We can have Jet Li turn into King Ghidorah. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> we can have Yetis playing football. Yeah. So yeah, there's that, there's like evil druids, Nazca line aliens, various witches and wizards, sirens, the Sandman, <laughs> Leviathan. Yeah, they take on Leviathan in like the fourth episode. And that's just season one. Oh yeah, the doppelganger episode, which fucking freaked me out. Because like she took other people's faces. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, there's also one involving Gastromo, which was the very first monster that Mom caught. Yeah. Did we mention Mom? Oh, we haven't really mentioned her all that much. So Mom is the leader of the center, and Mom is an acronym, M-O-M. -M. Yeah. Mystery Organization Manager. Which was stated in Totally Spies, not in Martin Mystery. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they did have a crossover at one point. Yeah. She and Jerry know each other. Uh, biblically. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah in season two there was a vampire who apparently Merton is the reincarnation of her boyfriend okay yeah they don't really address that later on but like this at the time this was not sort of show <laughs> this was this predates avatar the last airbender which i when it comes to kid shows i kind of delineate stuff into pre-Avatar The Last Bender, 
and post Avatar The Last Airbender. Because <laughs> at least for us Western children, it was um, really the first one that was actually kind of plot heavy. Mm-hmm. I think that having the evil druid as the big bad of the first season might be the best call because we could say that he's like using his influence to increase the attacks coming from monsters that are originating out of Earth. Yeah. So it could, uh, we'll have a little bit of a Gaia's revenge thing going on. And then at the end, we can reveal that he really was just like uh, another follower of the gatekeeper. Yeah. And actually, instead of introducing Octavia Payne in season one, we could introduce her in season two. Yeah. We could say that like, since like the increase in uh, monster activity hasn't really gone down, it's just the druid is no longer directing them. So now it's a little bit more chaotic. And so now we're just going to work with a fellow agency. Yeah. And everything seems hunky-dory, but then it's like, oh, no, we have our own agenda. Yeah. So then Octavia Payne can be the big bad for the entirety of season two. Yeah. Or actually, hmm, let's see. She can be like a secondary antagonist in season two while they deal with the gatekeeper. But as as things progress, then they realize that Octavia is not on the up and up. And so then season three deals with uh, Octavia as the full big bad. Yeah. Do we want to throw Billy's backstory into any of these, or do we want to save him for season four? Hmm. Because Billy's backstory is kind of its own thing, and that's where you get, like, intergalactic and all that. Yeah. But we could also start incorporating aliens as early as, well, as early as season one, because we know Billy is an alien. Yeah, because, like, with season one, what we could do is do, like, our own twists on already pre-existing mythology, folklore, conspiracy theories, that sort of stuff involving aliens. I I was thinking that we keep things more loosey-goosey the way that the original show did it. Yeah. We we can be influenced by some existing myths and whatnot, but I think with Martin Mystery, it's a lot more interesting to just make stuff up whole cloth. Okay. Because, like, yeah, if you look at the stuff, a lot of it is mutant monsters and things that were, like, trapped and just very generic, creepy stuff. Yeah. It's not necessarily tied directly to any existing culture, except for a few things. Yeah, like, I was also just thinking of maybe digging a bit deeper with some of the stuff. Like, um, Nazca aliens, like, there's all there's always been speculation ever since the Nazca lines were discovered that they were connected to aliens. Like, we could do a bit of an ancient aliens thing, but of course we're going to do our own twist. We're not going to go, we're not going to dump Nibiru on people. <laughs> Okay, we might mention the planet Nibiru, but we're not going to go full reptilians on people. We, and we also, like, it's obviously not going to be a situation where it's like, oh, it was truly the aliens who constructed the Nazca lines, because there's no way that ancient cultures could have drawn. (sighs) I hate that argument so much because we humans are fucking stubborn. (laughs) We will construct something out of sheer spite. Yeah. We had to teach the aliens how to make pyramids. Pyramids are an extremely easy thing to build because it's a very stable structure. The aliens were drawn to Earth because they just really like triangles. Yeah, they think triangles are sexy. <laughs> you know, like It could just be like, hey, this came from space. This might be important or this is weird or something. The center investigates Minecraft. It came from space. <laughs> um, so I listen to a lot of podcasts about creepy shit. Really? And all that. <laughs> and uh i remember this one time i was listening to blurry photos and the host dave flora was uh talking to a woman who runs a podcast that's exclusively about bigfoot and uh, 
this is something I wasn't really aware of until I listened to this podcast episode, but people have said that when they've encountered Bigfoot, they sometimes see weird lights or they sometimes hear weird stuff or just something weird happens. So there's been a bit of a theory going on in recent years that maybe Bigfoot is interdimensional. Hmm. Yeah. And it reminded me on Martin Mystery about the episode involving the werewolves who are also interdimensional beings. And I'm like, oh, we could do more of that. Okay. Where it's just like, there's these weird thin places. Like, I encourage people to look up stuff about Skinwalker Ranch because that's one of those places where just so much weird shit happens. It's almost like the universe is fucking with you personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite theory on uh, a lot of cryptids is that they were just essentially remnants of prehistoric megafauna. Yeah. Like the Yeti was most likely related to Gigantopithecus and yeah. Bigfoot was probably a giant sloth. Yeah, more than likely. And they probably lasted longer than we expected and very easily could have overlapped at the same time as more recent than you would imagine First Nations peoples. Yeah. But then if the First Nations are like, yeah, there's a giant sloth in our woods, the Europeans would be like, oh, that's so silly. Yeah, or just not having the words for it. Like, they've uh, scientists have found mummified mammoth remains, and when I say mummified, I mean, like, ice mummies, uh, on this island called Wrangell, up like it's way up in northeastern Siberia and um, they've dated them back to about when humans are starting to build pyramids it'd be cool if they were human mummified mammoths yeah if if you take a look at the highly historically accurate movie 10,000 BC <laughs> mammoths did help humans build the pyramids yeah <laughs> That one makes me sad, but yeah, um, to put some perspective on how old the pyramids are, um, so Cleopatra, who was the last uh, Egyptian queen, lived closer to us than she did to the construction of the pyramids. Yeah, they're old as balls. Yeah. (laughs) That's almost scary to think about. Well, some people think that the pyramids were filled with stones or used as grain silos, and I'm like, no, they're tombs, because... Vanity. Yeah. I want a pyramid. Hey, okay, I know you want to get mummified. Do you want a pyramid too? Hmm. I don't know. Seems a lot of work. Needs a lot of land. No, it doesn't have to be a big pyramid. Yeah. We can get we can get a decently sized pyramid to put your mummified <laughs> body in, and we'll still have enough room for sarcophagus juice, the the old cheese and the old honey, <laughs> and we can get some curses in there too. Because <laughs> you know that my tomb is going to be cursed to hell exactly. and back. Exactly. We will make efficient use of this space. <laughs> and then, like, if anyone ever, like, goes to visit your tomb, just, like, to see who, what, what bitch got a pyramid in Canada, <laughs> we'll have someone hired to, like, stand in the distance in the graveyard and if they make eye contact with the people visiting, they'll just wail and then disappear. <laughs> I love it. So there is an episode where a high school student uh, gets illegally experimented on and turns into the Mothman. Yeah. They also had an episode that was an homage to The Thing. Oh, I remember that one. Oh, yeah. 
anything involving that level of paranoia is fantastic for a kid's show. I think for the sake of not being too disjointed, we could probably save Billy's backstory and the whole, you make a lot of enemies being an intergalactic warlord. Yeah. Until season four. We like we can definitely drop a lot of hints about that, like because Billy he's usually not out in the field, so it's a big deal when he does go into the field. And as he does go into yeah. the field, like people recognize him and are like, "Oh no, it's you!" And Billy's like, "No, it's not. I'm <laughs> I'm the baby. Gotta love me." <laughs> yeah, Billy's plot arc was basically, "I am no longer power now. I want baby." <laughs> oh fuck! They have a cult story right in their own backyard. That's perfect. There is also an evil uh, Christmas globe dimension. Oh, that Christmas episode was fucking terrifying. Yeah, basically the gang gets uh, stuck in a snow globe by a basically a psychopath who just wants to have Christmas forever and ever and ever and is willing to sacrifice anybody to keep it like that. So with Billy's backstory, how much off-earth things do we want to do? Because there's some other ancient alien stuff, too. I mean, a lot of the aliens that showed up in the original show kind of covered the whole spectrum of evil aliens, whether it's just like a wild monster that escaped, or some kind of virus, or spores, replicants, just generic invaders. Yeah. You can run the whole gamut of it. Like, the the conceit of the show gives us a whole lot of room to do basically whatever we want. Yeah. With aliens, monsters, and combinations thereof. So I guess season four is more of a protect Billy. Yeah, we can we can introduce Billy's human mode earlier yeah. on. This human mode where he turns into like a, a a punk kid, but still a child. He still looks like a ch- a kid. <laughs> He's like four foot, but then has a one foot mohawk. Oh, it wasn't that high? I don't think. Okay, I exaggerate, but he still got his buck teeth. <laughs> And he's Martin's best friend. But no one ships him with Martin because they're too busy shipping Martin with Diana. Oh, God. You freaks. Um, I was also thinking about changing up the characters a little bit in terms of personality. That's a good idea. So my big thing is that while Martin is a very delightful himbo, I kind of want to play more as, like, brilliant but lazy. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, specifically in the category of if a subject does not interest him, Martin will give negative 100% effort. So he's a genius in like weird niche stuff and esoterica. Yeah. (laughs) He's what most Ravenclaws actually are. And then Diana is the one who covers like normal academia and logical type stuff. Yes. Also, here's the thing. Diana can be a little less of a damsel in this. Yes. They can be on equal footing. I was thinking of, like, at the very least, kind of like Nancy in Stranger Things. Yeah. Nancy's a good way to do it. Yeah. Hell, I could see Natalia Dyer voicing her, even. Yeah. Also, can we can we make them uh, blood siblings just to... <laughs> That's not gonna stop shippers. It might a little bit. It'll at least attach a lot more stigma to it. Or we'll get some really weird hate mail. Like, the whole thing is that Wincest exists. That's true. Yeah. Speaking of which, here's the other thing. 
Because I know you were going to ask me at some point where we should have this air. I was thinking, let's just put this on the CW or CW Seed. Oh. Because they've had several animated shows. Mostly okay. the DC stuff with Vixen and Constantine and uh, Freedom Fighters. Yeah. But here's the thing. If we put it on the CW, here's my... <laughs> So here's my very long logic train, stemming from when I was reading the Italian comic book page for Martin Mystery. Okay. And I pointed out that Martin Mi- Martin Mistere has had many crossovers with other Italian comic book characters, including Dylan Dog, who is another paranormal investigator, but he's like a, a private investigator. He's not part of a government organization. Okay. And he had a very bad movie in 2010 called Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, which starred Brandon Routh as the title character. Brandon Ralph has been on Legends of Tomorrow for five years. And if we put the Martin Mystery on the CWC and we have Brandon Ralph come back and he's voicing Dylan Dog and Dylan Dog is here. Hi, Dylan Dog. Nice to meet you. Okay. I, I, I guess I can see the line. Sorta. Yes. <laughs> and hey, it'll probably get a lot more attention than poor, poor YTV. Yeah. Because, oh, and here's, here's the thing. People talk about like, Shows for adults and shows for kids and shows for teens, but teens are going to seek out whatever they want to watch, baby. It doesn't matter what network it's on. As soon as you hit 15, you figure out just how to pirate stuff and whatnot. Yep. As soon as you turn 15, a fairy visits you in the dead of night, and she comes to you and she says, Go to Kiss Anime! (laughs) Pirate! Pirate everything! (laughs) Damn the viruses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you watch some Pretty Cure, you'll calm down a bit. <laughs> um, do we want the Totally Spies to show up in this, or is that too much? Oh, they don't really fit each other that well. Do, does the existence of Totally Spies strain the, um, <laughs> believability? Like, I actually want to give Totally Spies a fucking plot. But at the same time, there's fucking time travel and they never talk about it. Maybe just have Jerry show up as like an ex-flame of moms, but we never really elaborate on it. Yeah. No mention of Whoop. If anyone says the name Whoop, they die. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> I love Totally Spies, but Totally Spies also gives me a headache. It's a very different creature. Yes. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was also watching some BuzzFeed Unsolved. Because I'm like, oh, there's another good supernatural dynamic right there that we could use too. Shane and Ryan cameo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'd probably be like the victims of the week. The, in the cold open, it's Shane and Ryan doing their thing and then like get like eaten by a giant Venus flytrap or something and the gang has to save them. <laughs> I mean, Shane is probably like, not so much angered a lot of demons, but invited them to do a whole bunch of bullshit to them. <laughs> Shane and Ryan are stolen by the goat man during a live stream, and Martin Mystery goes rogue on a rogue mission to save them because they're his favorite YouTubers. <laughs> I mean, Shane did take the goat man's bridge. <laughs> it's my bridge now. <laughs> Shane takes the goat man's bridge, but then he starts turning into a goat man, and they have to reverse the goat curse. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. But you know what other show I feel has a similar vibe to maybe not the original Martin Mystery, but potentially this Martin Mystery that you've created is Winona Earp. Yes. Which I have declared is the better version of Supernatural. I still have to watch that. 
the big pluses are uh, good sister stuff and hot lesbians. <laughs> here's here's everything I know about Winona Earp. Vaguely cowboy stuff. Um, there is a character named Bobo. And he's the bad guy. <laughs> in season three, the, um, the love interest of one of the main characters is briefly possessed by like some kind of potato demon. <laughs> and the guy playing that character was also playing Jake on Degrassi. And he's the guy who had the almost step-sess relationship with Claire because they did before the parents dated. We have come full circle once again! <laughs> it's all because there's only so many Canadian actors. It's honestly a wonder that the two of us didn't somehow end up on Degrassi. We didn't live in Toronto. Oh yeah, I guess that's how. Saskatchewan was only mentioned once in the entire show. Oh my god. <laughs> Peter, we have to move away to be with your aunt with dementia in Regina. <gasps> but no, we can't go to Regina! Oh, you'll like it. And so he gets himself legally emancipated from his mother. Oh my god! To stay in Degrassi. Look, Regina isn't exactly the most exciting city in the world, but dear fucking Christ. <laughs> Te- well, technically, it was to stay with his girlfriend. <sighs> He'll get a new girlfriend. She left him three episodes later to do outreach in Africa. This is the same character whose his girlfriend's kept on getting stolen by the CW. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't too high, buddy. Da, 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 da. I'm Peter Stone, and I'm gonna date Nina Dobrev. <laughs> Honey, you've got a big storm coming. <laughs> and then Vampire Boyfriend shows up. <laughs> yeah, we're totally gonna have fun with the vampire episode. No, okay, but be- because because of what we've established, it's Martin who's all obsessed with the sexy vampires, and Diana who just is completely over it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe how he gets out of trouble with the vampires that he's a bit too much into it. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> we are vampires, and we are all for the seduction of the innocent, but this is just too much. <laughs> He's got so many signed copies of Anne Rice's books. <laughs> Just the center gets a call from the vampire clans. They're like, you have to take him back. He is starting to write fan fiction about us. <laughs> he stares constantly. He said that he stands me, and I do not know what that means. But somehow a chill went through my veins, and I don't even think they work anymore. <laughs> Look, there was that one time I was a girl, but even I'm not that freaky. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to check if there was an update to Helsing Ultimate Abridge. Oh, that was a Helsing reference. I was trying to figure out what... (laughs) Alucard! Right. (laughs) Yeah. That that, son of a bitch. That one time when Alucard got resurrected during the Second World War in a girl's body for some reason? Yeah. But he rolled with it, so... Yeah, and according to a bridge canon, uh, he and the future Queen Elizabeth II had a thing. The, yeah. <laughs> hey, what if we get Team Four Star to write the Martin Mystery Reboot? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've done so much with Dragon Ball and Helsing. It's 
Amazing. And they, they want to branch into more original stuff. And like, okay, I yeah. guess this isn't wholly original because it's a reboot. But like, they'd yeah. be the ones with creative control. We're, we're handing them the license that we somehow stole from the French animation company. <laughs> Take that, Marathon. <laughs> we have broken into your vaults and we have stolen all your IPs and we have given them to Team Four Star. <laughs> what if we turn ourselves into the Robin Hoods of IP? Yes. This is this is what I was trying to accomplish last week. <laughs> we'll give the Barton Mystery rights to Team Four Star. We'll give the Totally Spies rights to uh, Noelle Stevenson. It's genius. Yes. And I think I think we've reached the. I can't think of anything else to say about this. Can you? Yeah. It's just hey, let's build a plot because there's the pieces right there for it. Yeah. All right. So in that case, um. We're gonna analyze this slime. We're gonna analyze this friendship promo. Oh, oh, the, the oh, there's there's a friendship promo in this slime. Hello. Here it is. Hey everyone, I know we said that we were gonna be doing a friendship promo in this space, but um, current events have changed since we recorded this episode. So in lieu of that, I wanted to do a quick note on the current situation with uh, the coronavirus and just dealing with the current COVID nineteen situation. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. It's really stressful for everyone. So we, we felt like we should say something about it. Um, the number one thing I want to say is to not lose hope. Uh, the situation looks pretty dire, but as long as we support each other and protect each other, we're going to be able to get through this. And of course, the antithesis of apathy, as someone once says, is not hope, but action. So here's some things you can do to help stop the spread. So first off, the obvious thing that you've probably heard is the social distancing, uh, which is to say that you should basically stay away from people as often as you can. Uh, a good way to consider this is to stay inside except when you need groceries and even then only go out once a week. This not only restricts the amount of times you interact with people, but it also means that you're not interacting with your food service and your retail workers as often as they, um, <laughs> well, Listen, I'm in retail, I'm in grocery, and we interact with a lot of people, and it can be a little stressful just considering how many people we talk to and wondering, oh gosh, does this person have COVID? Um, so if you're going out as little as possible and you're limiting your interactions with other people, that can really help stuff. Um, speaking of retail work, just make sure that you're thanking your workers and employees because uh, we're keeping you fed. I, I don't want to sound arrogant about that, but with all other industries kind of closing down or taking a break, it, the crooks is falling on us to help keep things uh, supported, and we're happy to do our duty, but it can get really stressful, and even saying thank you for staying open, thank you for helping us, it can go a long way for us. Uh, other things you can do are donate to your local food pantry or medical aid and relief through Global Giving and Doctors Without Borders. This can help deal with treatments and other ways to uh, get supplies to doctors if they are running low, and you've probably seen articles on a lot of shortages happening. Helping those shortages not last very long is a good step in making sure that there aren't as many people falling victim to coronavirus. Um, in addition to medical professionals and whatnot, and kind of circling back to how a lot of industries are closing down, make sure you tip well and support your indie artists and local artists, especially considering that a lot of conventions have been cancelled. And since a lot of artists make their money off of those without that source of income, they're probably going to struggle a lot this year. 
So if you're able to buy their work and or just give them a donation, if you're able to really just donate to anyone who's asking, because a lot of people are going to be struggling in this time. And finally, make sure you're getting your news from your local government or your CDC, just any trustworthy source. Um, probably not politicians, depending on who they are, because we've seen a lot of them use this to their own advantage. So find a non-biased medical party that can give you just the facts and no weird opinions. So the CDC, a local public health agency, in Saskatchewan you've got the Saskatchewan Health Authority. I don't know if other places have those, but I imagine they do. Uh, World Health Organization, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, just don't lose hope. We can all... Uh, okay. We're all in this together. Something, something, High School Musical. We're, we're gonna get out of this on the other side, all right, as long as we're supporting each other. Um, so, back to the rest of the show. I, I, I hope whoever we put into there doesn't mind us describing their friendship promo as slimy. <laughs> it's fine. This was good slime. Also, I did think of one other thing, just because we didn't really say much about Java the Caveman. Listen, he's a caveman, he's named Java, he's a good boy, and for uh, meta-text's sake, he should be voiced by Yoshi Sadarso. Yes. And he should be working as a barista. Yes. For the pun. Exactly. I don't know why. I legit thought he was a barista until you said that he works as a janitor and at the... Cafeteria. Yes, which... Well, actually, the cafeteria could probably have, like, a whole, like, cafe setup, too. There's there's a difference between working at a cafeteria and serving coffee there and being an actual barista. Yes. There is an art, and it turns out that he makes the best frappuccinos in the Torrington area, in the Sherbrooke area. Also, if, if you're a rude customer, he will throw the cappuccino machine at you. Yeah, and nobody's going to stop him because, like, well, first, you were rude, and second, he's got at least 200 pounds on us. He's a caveman. Yeah. Unfrozen <laughs> caveman barista. <laughs> so anyways, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and I don't know how it's pronounced because I don't think anyone had a catchphrase on that show. Not really. Unless it's just Diana angrily yelling at Martin. <laughs> <laughs> like Kagome yelling at Inuyasha. Uh, Yay. Yes. This podcast is also a member of the Corner Podcast Network, run by our good, good friend Christina, who runs the Home for Wayward OCs and Faithful Podcast. And we're real happy to be there. Yeah. And we're going to figure out how to work that into the cadence of our ending spiel at some point. We'll write something out. We will. Um, but anyways, you can also contact us directly at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or slime man. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. You can also support us at our Patreon, patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst, and if you do support us there, you can get a bevy of bonuses, including a weekly shoutout for all our patrons, including Charlie and Cassidy. 
Thanks, Charlie and Cassidy. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our good friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. Now, if you've been paying attention to our Twitter account and also news, you will note that on the one hand, for our People's Choice that was going to be happening next week, you guys had chosen Twister, a Twister reboot of the 90s movie, I want to say? Yeah, I think so. Yes. On the other hand, a tornado did just go through Nashville and did kill a lot of people, and we've generally decided it's kind of too soon to start talking about that, especially with the kind of levity we usually try and bring to things. So... In that case, we are going down to the second place winner for the People's Choice poll, and then we will probably be doing Twister for the April People's Choice. But for March, Lindsay, we voted on it, so it's not really much of a hint. Tell us, what's the subject for the People's Choice that you're doing next week? Um, Next week, we are going to be doing a reboot of a, another obscure Canadian uh, TV series called this level one so we will see you next week but not if we reboot you first bye